The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and the disciples went on and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. In the children's book called Ready, Set, Go by Stan and Jan Berenstein, the Berenstein Bears are staging their own family versions of the Olympics. Brother Bear, Sister Bear, and Papa Bear all compete against one another in various activities, while Mama Bear serves as trusty scorekeeper and judge. They run fast, faster, fastest. They jump far, farther, farthest. They climb high, higher, highest. With each activity, the three bears are ranked good, better, best. But it turns out that poor Papa Bear isn't very good at anything. Each activity, Papa comes in last and is getting discouraged when they finally decide to rest after their long, busy day. And wouldn't you know, Papa is the one who sleeps long, longer, longest. Everyone has something they do greater than the others. I can't help but think that this silly kind of ranking exercise is what the disciples were doing, walking along the road a few paces behind Jesus on their way to Capernaum. Out of the 12 of us, who is good? Who is better? Who is best? Who is the greatest? The disciples have gotten to this point after a number of really hard events following Jesus. First, in chapter 8, they hear Jesus foretell his death and resurrection for the first time. Those terms and conditions that Pastor Zach preached about last week, which ends up with Peter being rebuked in front of everyone. How embarrassing for Peter. Then earlier in chapter 9, the disciples have just tried to cast out a demon, but were unable to do so. Jesus actually asks, how much longer must I put up with you, Lot, before taking care of it himself? And now, walking through Galilee, Jesus once again tells them that the Son of Man will be betrayed, killed, and will rise again in three days. 
It's no wonder that after all these events, the disciples find themselves squabbling with one another as they walk, staying just a few steps behind so Jesus can't overhear what a ridiculous contest they're having. We know the disciples must have been faithful, steadfast followers of Jesus, but by Mark's account, they are just the doofy sidekicks who make Jesus look good. Like Ron Weasley to Harry Potter or Dr. Watson to Sherlock Holmes, the disciples need Jesus to explain to them who he is and what he's doing every step along the way. But even then, they don't get it. They just don't understand. And they are afraid to ask. Why is that? Why, after all they've been through, are the disciples afraid to ask Jesus? Could be that they don't want to be rebuked like Peter, accused of getting in the way of what must happen. It could be that they want to convince Jesus that they are, in fact, A students who understand everything that's going on around them and what must take place. It could be that they simply can't bring themselves to ask the question because they can't fathom the answer. I've been reflecting on this in my own life, thinking about the many times I've encountered something that I didn't understand. Did I dig deeper to learn more? Or if not, why? What held me back, holds me back? from asking for more information. Especially during this last year and a half, I found that I just don't have the capacity for certain things anymore. The time, energy, patience, or even brain space that's required to truly understand. The pandemic has blurred the lines between home and work and school, exacerbated a national mental health crisis, and challenged us all to consider what we really need in terms of meaningful connection and interaction with others. Sometimes it feels as though taking on one more thing might actually topple the fragile balance I've erected that keeps me going each day. The balance that also ensures I can feed my kid and walk the dog and maybe even find a quiet moment to talk to my husband in between commitments. Sometimes I'm afraid to ask for more information because I don't know if I'll be able to handle the hard truths that result about our world, my neighbors, my faith. Sometimes, lots of times, it's easier to say, I'll check that out later, when instead I check out in front of a TV show or a novel. So the disciples may be Jesus' sidekicks today, but I totally get where they're coming from. Because I have trouble owning up to God that I don't completely understand either. Sometimes I just can't understand. Why does the Messiah have to die? Why can't the Savior of the world live forever? Why is there still so much hate? Why is COVID still a thing? Why are people still being forced to flee their homes in the face of conflict? Why isn't education assured for everyone? Why should we be hopeful? And today, 
squarely in the midst of our confusion, our burnout, our inability or unwillingness to understand, Jesus places a child. A naturally inquisitive, ready-to-learn, vulnerable child who understands far more than what we adults might think. Forget the squabbling about who might be the greatest. Put aside your insecurities about capacity, about looking dumb in front of the teacher. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. Focus on the child. Focus on the welcome. It doesn't have to take much to welcome a child today. We've learned that bubbles and sidewalk chalk go a long way. I'm glad you found them. They're in the back, right? But of course, we also know that true welcome requires more than just handy tools of distraction and entertainment. A true welcome requires bending down, getting on the floor, speaking to a child and asking them about something real, leaving the big picture ideas behind to listen to what they have to say and believe that it is important because it is extremely important to listen to what children have to say. This summer, I participated in a Zoom book study with some other deacons from around the country. We read the book Raising White Kids by Dr. Jennifer Harvey. She's a professor at Drake University in Des Moines. Dr. Harvey describes her belief in this book that another world is possible one where all people are actually treated equally. But she also shares her belief that that world is not possible without first teaching the youngest ones among us that our current world is not, in fact, equal and how to make it become more so. Children are observant. They are curious. And it is only as they age and pick up on verbal and nonverbal signals that they start to keep their observations about what is right or wrong to themselves. Why is his skin darker than mine? Why does her hair look like that? Why is she treated differently than me? Dr. Harvey explains that whether we are intentionally teaching or not, our children are learning which is why teaching anti-racism and speaking about race must be done intentionally, or the external environments our children are raised in and exposed to will do the teaching in our absence. And I find that both immensely exciting and also tremendously daunting that something I say, something we do, could generations later result in a more peaceful, a more just kind of world for everyone. Jesus' disciples don't get it in our gospel today. But flash forward to Acts and other historical documents from the early church, and it's clear that somehow they did figure it out and began gathering and forming a church in Jesus' name. Flash forward to today, to us, living 2,000 plus years after Jesus and his disciples walked this earth. We live in a post-resurrection world where it's easy to take for granted that the Savior of the world died a gruesome death and was raised to new life for us. That of course the first shall be last and the last shall be first. This is amazing stuff and we forget how amazing it is. 
And it's okay if we still don't understand why or how all of this came to pass. But we still have asking and listening and teaching yet to do. We are here today on this patch of grass and joined with one another through the mysteries of technology, worshiping God and celebrating the meal of Holy Communion together. We are here today, greeting one another with a sign of peace and God's welcome between the young and the old and everyone in between. We are here today. It doesn't matter who is good, who is better, who is best. It is simply enough to be here. Amen.